Welcome to Season 4, Episode 5 of the City Diplomacy Students Podcast. Today's podcast will be hosted by me, Vedika Pillai, and my classmate, Walter Pinero, from Professor Lorenzo Kilgan Grandi's Fall 2021 class at CR Sciences Po. Today, we will be talking about UN Habitat, the international organization. We will then go on to analyze its nature, scope, and challenges. First, let us see what this organization does. UN Habitat is a program for the United Nations that was created for human settlements and sustainable urban development. It was established in 1978 after the first United Nations Conference on Human Settlements and Sustainable Urban Development. Actually, the headquarters are located in Nairobi, Kenya, and its executive director is Maimuna Mot Sharif. UN Habitat objective is to advance sustainable urbanization as a driver of development and peace to improve living conditions for all. So what does UN Habitat focus on to achieve this? Actually, their focus is on seven main areas. Urban legislation, land and governance, urban planning and design, urban economy, urban basic services, housing and slum upgrading, risk reduction and rehabilitation, and finally, human research and capacity development. They are currently conducting their work in more than 70 countries across five continents. The UN Habitat strategizes transformative change in cities and human settlements through knowledge, policy advice, technical assistance and collaborative action. They formulate their strategic plan every three years. For the actual plan in 2020-23, they identify four drivers of change. 1. Policy and legislation. 2. Urban planning and design. 3. Governance and finally, financing mechanisms. What do these drivers of change hope to achieve? They hope to achieve reduced spatial inequality and poverty in communities across the urban-rural continuum, enhanced shared prosperities of cities and regions. They also hope to strengthen climate action and improve urban environment, and finally, uh, effective urban crisis prevention and response. One of the two cross-cutting themes across these goals is resilience along with safety. Now, we will focus on this aspect of urban resilience and more specifically UN Habitat's City Resilience Profiling Program and the tools they use. Works with local governments from all around the world to evaluate and understand their unique urban systems, including the greatest challenges. They believe in engaging with municipal departments, the private sector, and civil society stakeholders within a city to create a vision for resilience by consensus. The UN Habitat has developed something called the City Resilience Profiling Tool to gather and analyze data about a city's specific context and performance. This tool has been developed for over nine years with more than 10 local governments and shaped by UN Habitat's extensive expertise in urban issues. This is done specifically by holding resilience training and workshop with government staff and city partners, develop in-depth resilience profiles, and produce actionable guidance for cities to increase their capacity to build urban resilience for the long term. For example, 
government staff and city partners, around 50 and 70 persons, are provided trainings on site. And in the UN Habitats Barcelona office, they focus on urban risk assessment, data management, and resilient city management. The tool's approach is firstly to generate metrics for urban resilience to establish a baseline or profile that covers the entire urban system for weaknesses, vulnerabilities and strengths to develop concrete and prioritized actions to plan out risk and built-in resilience. The tool's integrated approach is holistic and takes into account the specificities of each city at the data collection, analysis and action stages. The data and information provided by local government reveal the aspects that are more relevant to the local context. The definition of the assessment boundaries can be determined by the local government based on the mandate of the local government and relevance of the analysis in the context. The diagnosis assesses multiple geospatial areas in scope, as such, obtaining an understanding of decentralization aspects is essential in our approach to clarify the administrative and financial competencies of the local government. In terms of city networks and international organizations, the City Resilience Profiling Tool guides and assists local governments to deliver on targets set out in globally agreed intergovernmental frameworks. In particular, these include first, the Sendai Framework for Disaster Risk Reduction, the SDGs of the Sustainable Development Goals, the Paris Agreement on Climate Change, Human Humanitarian Summit with the Agenda for Humanity, and lastly, the new urban agenda. Able to implement their methodology and what are the funds required for this? Well, depending on a city size and context, the timeline and associated cost of the city resilience profiling tool implementation may vary. On average, the implementation process occurs over 12 to 18 months and costs around 150,000 to 200,000 US dollars to cover staff and technical expertise, also as travels, workshops, and operational costs. If required, alternative funding sources may be pursued jointly by the local government and UN Habitat. In most cities, UN Habitat's team of urban experts work with two local government focal points, and a resilience expert identified based on the relevant experience and contextual knowledge of the city. To date, cities have used their resilience profiles to build consensus on priority actions and guide their resilience agendas for, transform for transformational change, including Asunción Paraguay, Barcelona, Spain, Dakar, Senegal, Maputo, Mozambique, Port Vila, Vanuatu, Yakutsk, Russia, The objectives and results of their programs. So, generally, UN Habitat has been able to publish annual reports using a baseline and target level of measurement. The formulation of the Strategic Plan 2020-23 used a theory of change approach in line with results-based management principle. 
Their four main objectives were divided into 12 specific outcomes which the report assessed using a series of indicators. Each of the 12 outcomes were further broken down into their various dimensions. Dimensions are the components of the outcomes which required distinct measurements in order to adequately capture the essence of each outcome. So, these reports were really useful and the first step to building urban resilience which contributes to a better urban future. It is important to showcase the work done by local governments in this area. Local governments and cities engaged with UN Habitat are given global visibility through their online and offline channels and spaces. Furthermore, it opens more opportunities for networks like the Medellin Collaboration on Urban Resilience, which gathers the most prominent actors committed to building resilience globally and collectively working in 4,000 cities globally, with more than $2 billion US dollars committed annually towards advancing resilient and sustainable urban growth. Second, the Global Alliance for Urban Crisis also brings together city leaders, urban professionals with the development community, the private sector and urban professionals to design urban disaster responses. To date, it has 65 signatories and the alliance brings about a fundamental shift in the way international and local actors interact in response to the urban humanitarian crisis. Even through the COVID-19 crisis, the UN Habitat proved to be quite effective with their response plan. They launched on April 22, the first corporate-wide appeal and response plan for 74 countries, focusing on immediate action in poor and densely populated areas. They created an inventory of more than 100 proposals for an envelope of $72 million. They could achieve over 70% of support targets, working with informal settlements to improve affordable access to water and sanitization, raise awareness about COVID-19 prevention and care, and support initiatives to prevent people becoming homeless. UN Habitat's technical assistance during the emergency response phase helped local officials adapt public health directives to improve conditions in informal settlements. Totally, they have 73 projects, of which 55 are going on or about to start and awaiting confirmation of funding pledges. UN Habitat supported national and local governments with 75 projects in 37 countries and 300 cities. UN Habitat's profiling of urban contexts includes mapping and data from over 1,700 cities benefiting over 10 million people by informing decision-making and improving coherence in their response to the pandemic. The COVID-19 pandemic has highlighted the long-term need to reorganize cities and urban areas to meet present and future challenges and to respond to development opportunities. Firstly, there is a glaring need to integrate health in urban and territorial planning. For this, the UN Habitat and the World Health Organization developed a source book, However, at this point, a more practical framework will be useful, especially for developing countries that are still facing tremendous pressure on their healthcare systems. Secondly, there are many financial constraints. 
the UN habitat has been unable to procure its target income to meet its goals. The total income in 2020 was $193.7 million, which represents 76.6% of its target income. This means that many projects could not be funded due to a lack of financial resources. Finally, we must realize that human habitat plays an important role in the development of adaptation strategies for the poorest and most vulnerable countries, cities and islands. It can largely determine the development of international agreements on compensation, identification of alternative locations for resettlement, mobilization of funding, building local competence and capacities, this is where UN Habitat can make a significant difference, particularly in cases where resettlement is needed. Alternative livelihood will have to identify, but the decision-making is still problematic. For example, how does UN Habitat deal with environmental refugees? Is alternative land available in the neighborhood, or they will have to look to the rest of the world for help and apply for immigration somewhere? Should people be moved before catastrophic events occur in areas under the greatest threat and where good protection is impossible or extremely costly? These are difficult questions to address, but one way out is the need for UN Habitat to work more and more with partners using its capacity to convene, advocate, facilitate and mobilize resources to consolidate actions at ground level to maximize impact. There also need to be more regional consultations. UN Habitat must advance its regional architecture to be able to connect more with the on-ground reality. It's also important to remark that in addition to the support and collaboration of local and national governments, for UN Habitat's goal to materialize, it's equally important to have the support of the residents of the areas where the programs are being implemented, so this could make them more effective. As we come to the end of our podcast, we would like to point out that you could also involve your cities in this project. UN Habitat invites cities to use the City Resilience Profiling Tool. You could make a call for your city profile to be studied. Do head over to www.cityresilience.org to find out more. They also have Instagram and Twitter pages in case you'd like to be more informed. Thank you for joining us today and stay tuned for more. Goodbye for now.